Welcome back to the podcast. I have Taya DiCarlo. Taya has absolutely, if you're not following her, she's blown up over the last year with all of her content. I see a huge confidence shift in your game, Taya. Thank you. We've been friends for a while, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to share your content tips, some of your real estate hacks. And I also want to get into a little bit of your acting background <laughs> and how that's helped you in real estate. So, Taya, welcome. And why don't you just introduce yourself, how you got into real estate, your whole background story. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I can't believe it's taken us this long to it's just- It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's that, not okay, actually. No. We, we need to do this more often. It's the first time we've done a podcast, one of many in the future. I can guarantee you that. I'm and we're gonna, totally and I'm going to get down. Sarah- Come over from Miami to <laughs> We'll Naples be the dynamic duo. Well. You yeah. can get us yeah, interviewed Sarah's at the same in the time. Room there, so. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm a realtor at Compass in Los Angeles. I got my license back in 2006 um, against my will. Against your will? <laughs> against you my kidnapped? will. Yes. My, my, I graduated from University of Oregon with a degree in journalism. I thought I was going to be a talking head newscaster. Turns out I was way too emotional for that. Like I would interview people about a sad story and want to start crying. You went to school to be a newscaster and mm -hmm. that's like my secret dream <laughs> is to be a newscaster. I, well, Look this at is, that. We're we going to talk about tips. I'm going to tell you yes, exactly right. how you can tweak it. I'm going to learn a lot with everybody else. <laughs> um, yeah. So after graduating from U of O, um, I worked at a newscasting station. I did a little bit of acting, um, but my dad in 2006, he owns his own brokerage in San Francisco. And he said, you know what? You should just get your real estate license. You've always been in sales. And I was like, oh, dad, I have dreams. Like, I don't want to get my real estate license. He's like, trust me, I could use your help. It was 2006. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I got my license just to have it. I also got my notary. And then I worked for Gallo, stacking wine, <laughs> which is like, I feel like a, you know, coming of age job, like out of college. Well, it, gave, wine. it gave you great experience for real estate too. Oh my God. Know, being involved in wine. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yes. Yeah, so after college graduation, stacking wine, got my real estate license, and then moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting. Because although newscasting was fun, it just, it was not me. Um, I love storytelling. I love performing. And so I moved to LA and pursued a um, little bit of improv, acting, comedy, drama, um, did a web series. I was a TV host for an NBC affiliate. Um, and then it wasn't until the writer strike in LA that I, my, you know, now husband, but my boyfriend at the time was like, you know what, you should just like pursue real estate and see what happens. And I really felt like I was giving up on my dream. Um, but you know, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And that's how I got into luxury real estate in about 2008 as an assistant to a luxury realtor who's actually in the top 200 in the country. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. She's a top, like big shot at Compass, uh, Cindy wow. Ambule. She's a fantastic luxury agent. Worked for her for just about two and a half years. And then after that, branched out on my own. As like a buyer agent or an administrator, I was her assistant? everything. Everything, yeah, just yeah. Doing it all. This Learning, was when, shadowing. Yes, I mean, this was when Zillow first came on the scene, mm -hmm. and this was when you could actually get legitimate buyers and sellers on yeah. Zillow and Trulia. I mean, I started helping a LA Galaxy player from Trulia. Wow, and we're still friends to this day. It's like so random, um, but really, I got my feet wet and learned that white glove service, and worked with celebrity clients and multi million dollar price point. It's like I dove right in, and then once I started focusing on my own business, um, I mean, we can talk all about that. Well, but I, I mean, I didn't realize the struggle. Real estate was in the family genes. Yeah, 
Is the brokerage still, ha- is it still running in yeah, San Francisco? Yeah, my dad still? is just like a one-man show. He's okay. a retired police officer. And he's you know, doing his thing. He's doing his thing. Who's doing more volume? You or dad? Oh, me, for sure. Good. Sorry, dad. <laughs> is he listening? He's very proud. He's, he's not listening, is he? He will listen. I'll send it oh, to good. him. Yeah. Good. I got to meet this guy. Yeah. My brother's a realtor, too. In uh, competing market? Um, or He's up in wine country, like Petaluma, Sonoma, Napa. Wow. Yeah. He does really well. So they're all Northern California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't been in wine country since COVID. It's a bummer. Oh, well, we you're going to have to tell me when you go. Yeah. I'll hook you oh, up. Oh, my God. I'm dying to go back. Yeah. I haven't been in California. This is the first trip west. Really? This trip in all of COVID for Okay. Me. Well, when you come out to California, you need to go to wine country. Yeah. And I'll have my brother set you up and like- take you to all like the exclusive wineries, like none of that commercial stuff. Yeah, I don't, I guess I've done probably a bunch of commercial stuff, I guess. Yeah. Although my favorite is Ramsgate, which nobody ever knows Ramsgate. Ramsgate's good. Yeah, I get the- Rutherford is amazing. Okay, I haven't done, I haven't yeah. done that. I get the Chardonnay from Ramsgate every two months into the house. Great Chardonnay, yeah. it's like 90 bucks a bottle. Yeah. And now it's ruined me drinking any <laughs> other white wines. It's like me flying first class. I'm like, yeah. well, what has been seen cannot be unseen. You didn't fly first class from here, did you? What is no. it, like an hour flight? It was bu- I, I, I flew, uh, what is it? The, the extended comfort. light comfort, yeah. Yeah, but going home, it's first class because it was like a free upgrade. Oh, I'm geez, Delta. Taya. I'm like a Delta you, bitch. Bougie. Bougie, <laughs> Taya. I was on uh, a layover coming up here from Naples. So I'd stop in Atlanta mm-hmm. and then come over. And uh, Glenda was on my layover, of course. Was she? she? Yeah, she dominates Atlanta. You know, she's I'm in the Atlanta airport. There she is waiting for, she was a, a little secret. She was flying first class. Of Glenda's course she gotten was. bougie too. Oh, always. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, when you do it once, then you want it all the time. If you can get it for the discount and know how to use your points and leverage and all that, there's no reason. W- what's your you like big luxury item that you're going to splurge on? Is it first class? Is it meals? Is it... <gasps> I'm a Fashion. foodie. Foodie? I'm a foodie. Me too. I like food. Yeah. I just, I'm not the type of person that's going to blow my paycheck on clothes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I recently made some splurges that we won't talk about. But Sarah so encouraged she you knows, to do that? She knows. I sent her pictures. She's like. <laughs> you on the same level? No. Okay. Yeah. I sent her a picture it. and she's like, yes, do it. Um, no, I love food. I love, and it doesn't have to be fancy, expensive food. But like, so if someone comes to Manhattan Beach or comes to LA and they're like, I want good food, well, you just tell me what type of food you want and it's yeah. game on. We're, I, you know, it doesn't matter if it's inexpensive, like dive bar, like there's a little hole in the wall called Urgly's where you get the best Ooh. burger in town and it's like, no one even knows I, they serve I like burgers there. fine dining. Okay. I mm. like, I like the experience. I like being there for two hours. I, mean, like, I want to get out of here. Yeah. I like sitting there for a while. You want the while. chef to come out and talk to I you do. I and love tell that you. Stuff. Bring, bring me something that just, oh, the chef just made this for you guys. Mm. I love that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, you know where you need to go. So, well, I want, what are the top three okay. LA area restaurants? Well, why don't we start with one of the most recent ones that I went to um, that's not in LA. It's in Santa Barbara, Caruso's. Okay. On the water. It is one of the most decadent, high-end luxury experiences. A Caruso, like the guy who owns all of the real estate and hotels, this is okay. like his famous restaurant that's on the water in Santa Barbara. It's in Montecito. Claim to fame. It is unbelievable. You will definitely break the bank when you go there, but it is- What are, you, what are we talking? I mean, at least a thousand. A thousand? Two yeah, people. two people. All right. That's is good. That, that's God, doable. I'm like embarrassed. My dad's going to be listening really? to this being like, Taya, you spent how much of, money Taya, on what? I'm proud of you. <laughs> that's amazing because you can afford it. So what are the other mm-hmm. two? Mm. Fine dining. Well, I mean, I will say this. I don't. Okay, there is in um, Bestia. 
in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. It's like an institution. Everyone knows about it, but it's it's expensive. I it's went there. For, except for me. I'm learning, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm learning right now. Bestia. I went, Bestia, I went there for my birthday. They'll give you like a bone marrow pasta oh, and wow. like all the, all the really like really gluttonous, amazing, yeah. but delicious high-end stuff. And then my favorite Italian restaurant is Nando in Manhattan Beach. And Dario is from, I think he's from Sicily. Um, but he is just an amazing human being. But his restaurant is ar- arguably one of the most expensive high-end Italian experiences you'll have oh, I in get LA. Back to California. Yeah, you, you think do. Tom will do another event there? He's canceled Anaheim. We're here. I we're know. in we're in Vegas right now. So if you're listening to this or watching, we're sitting in the Mandalay Bay in my crap hole of a <laughs> room. It's not and, that bad. Yeah, it's it's actually like <laughs> No, it's awful. It's awful. And uh Tom used to always do all his events, Tom Ferry, in California. They're yeah, like in always in you know, for you guys, it was great because you had home yeah. field advantage. Now home field advantage is anyone that's in Texas. Yeah. He's doing them all se- seemingly in Dallas. You know, this one obviously in Vegas. But do you think he'll go back to doing any in no. California now? No, I think that at this point he has such a huge following. Mm-hmm. And Dallas is such a nice hub. So easy. It's so easy for everyone yeah. from the East Coast Much and the West for Coast. Me. Yeah. And honestly, it's not that bad coming from California. And no. I Anaheim is a pain in the ass to get to. Yeah. It's not like and LAX. It's terrible. Anaheim's yeah. no fun. No. I mean, if we're in LA proper, it's different, but that would be so expensive. Yeah. It just doesn't make financial sense. So unless he does like a small intimate gathering. When you're in Anaheim, you're just trying to get out to those other little beach towns. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what's the future of California? As far as real estate goes? Yeah. I mean, just the future of California overall. You know, obviously, if you read the headlines, a lot of people are down on California. Mm -hmm. It's the top uh, migration out state. It's true. Sarah and I benefit from that. Florida inbound. What do you think being there, mm-hmm. selling real estate, having buyers, sellers, and investors, what's the future of California look like? I think not enough people are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Get some more. I, think, I want that traffic I to think, ease up. I think that um, even with the what people are calling the mass exodus of California, it's not enough to make an impact on the housing crisis that we're having, the, the mm. housing shortage that we're having. Hey, you uh, hear about that all the time. Oh my gosh, but it's people are so uh, quick to read the headlines with the clickbait. Oh, everyone's leaving California and it's like, people are sheep, right? When they hear that, they're like, oh, well, maybe we should leave California. Well, it's like, look, good, go. Because I have 10 people that'd be willing to buy your house. And the last time I checked, they're not making any more land. And you know, when everything is said and done, the weather in California keeps people there. Yes, Mediterranean weather. Yes. And, you know, the politics, whether you're on the right or the left or the middle, everyone has something to complain about. California definitely is struggling right now with like our homeless issue. But so is Austin. So is Seattle. So are other areas of the country. It's more of a global thing that's happening. But I think California gets a really bad rap. Um, But I'll give you a perfect example of right now. The market is not affected by this quote unquote mass exodus. So I have a client who's shopping in the $1.2 million range, which other parts of the country, people are like, wow, you're pretty well off. You can buy a $1.2 million house. But in LA County, if you want a three bedroom, two bathroom house and your budget's only 1.2 million, well, now you're looking at houses that are only worth 850. Mm -hmm. And if you live in the metropolitan area or you wanna be by the beaches, I'm sorry, you're SOL. You're going to have to look on the outskirts. So we have a client who's looking in, in Alhambra, which is like, Google it. It's like, it's nowhere USA in, in yeah. LA County. You've never okay. heard of it, right? No, I haven't. The client, we saw it for $850. Cute, not turnkey, not brand new. Okay. We wrote a hundred grand over. 
No appraisal, close in 30 days, five-day inspection, very clean offer. The agent contacts me. She says, Taya, I'm so sorry. We received 81 offers. Hmm. 81 offers. So when people say, wow, a lot of people are leaving California, 850. 850. And and she said, and the vast majority of people are writing over 1.1. Now you're probably wondering, well, gosh, she really underpriced it. Actually, she didn't. The comps didn't substantiate anything higher than you 925. Offers, you're going to get you're going to get crazy stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah. And so the fact of the matter is it's going to go north of 1.1 and it's not even 1400 square feet. So Oof. now you have a house that's almost $1000 a square foot for what? It's smaller than this room that's that we're I'm sitting saying. in. That's what I'm saying. This, hotel this room. is craziness. So what's the what's next for California? I really see California appreciation, whether we pump the brakes and interest rates go up a little bit and we see not depreciation, but just a plateau, yeah. maybe we'll we'll go back to like three to 5% annual appreciation, which in my mind, as far as an investment goes, is pretty damn good. Well, I'm, you know, it's funny you said the weather. There's only literally, if you like warm weather, like I do, nice weather, there is only two places in the country that you can guarantee having a nice day almost every single day. Mm -hmm. That's Southern California, the Mediterranean climate, Mm -hmm. which is the only place in the country that has Mediterranean climate. Yeah, because it cools off too. It's not too hot. Or it's Southern Florida, which has real tropical climate, right? In America, it's the only place with tropical climate and that's the only place with Mediterranean climate. And it's a beautiful thing if you live there. But I will say this, what, what California has that Florida doesn't, What's that, Taya? Tell us. We don't have the bugs that you have. The bugs? I don't have a bug problem in <laughs> Naples. I don't know. There's probably bugs in maybe Miami. Whenever know. we get a weird rain spell and then crazy bugs come out, people in LA freak out. Yeah. Like, they're like, what is this? No, I will admit, <laughs> Southern California has like perfect weather it's all the time. Dr- it's, not, it's dry, but it's not too dry. Yeah. It's cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from San Francisco, so I'm used to that more like... And cool pe- climate. People will pay for that perfect oh, weather. absolutely. And, and that's exactly why people keep coming back to Southern California. And I have investor buyers who continue to buy investment properties in Southern California. They could easily get a higher cap rate if they went to Texas or if they mm-hmm. went, you know, Tennessee is a really hot spot. A real is a hot spot right now for like Airbnb, um, Nashville, that sort of thing. But the ma- the vast majority of my clients who have an extreme amount of wealth are like, you know what, I feel more comfortable, even with taxes and everything, I feel more comfortable being in California because I know jobs will always be in California, at least for now, right? People want to be here for the weather, and it's a vacation spot. I think the weather's a real thing. People pay for it. My dad has a saying, perfect is good, right? So I agree with that. Perfect weather is always good. Yeah. And you, you, you want perfect weather over. I mean, what I grew up in the Northeast is just unacceptable <laughs> weather. You know, it, it really is. You know Dan Blackwell, right? No. No? God, I'm going to be really embarrassed if I do. And well, now he's I Southern look like Cal- a He's Newport Beach. Multi, he's multifamily. Just multifamily. I'm sure like if I years. saw his face or like went I, to his page. I met him through Tom. Yeah. And you should follow him on it. He was just on the pod. He's um, he's amazing for what he's doing with commercial multifamily real is estate. Is he in San Diego? No, Newport. Newport. Newport Beach. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. in Orange County. Yeah, he's in Orange County. Yeah. He's Orange County. He's got like a team of 12. They All they sell is multifamily. They I don't sell to, anything I else. need to talk to him. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's really smart. Tom knows him. You can ask Tom yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, tomorrow yeah. about him. But he's very bullish on 
Orange County, yeah. Southern California, California overall. Yeah. So similar to you, he and he lives there. He's not from there. Oh, so really? It's not like he's a homer. Yeah, and, like know, me. Right, like you. That's, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but that's what I was alluding to. Um, but no, he's you know. So it's interesting when you talk to people, and that's why I like to talk to people that are actually in the state, as opposed to headlines. Dig a little bit deeper. You can get mm -hmm. all the information on Wall Street Journal or the migration reports. But then it does come down to talking to people that are there. What's the feeling there? Well, and the microclimate of what goes on. Because let's not get it twisted. Orange County is different than L.A. County. Sure. And even within yeah. L.A. County, you start slicing it up. L.A. is not Beverly Hills. Yeah. Right? And it's not just Santa Monica, Venice. I mean, if you look at the sheer numbers of what's going on in L.A., I'll tell you where the max, mass exodus is. Venice and Santa Monica. Because of the homeless issue. It is a real thing. Like I have a client right now. We just wrote an offer for $3 million, just under $3 million in Palos Verdes, right? If you're a golfer, PV. Which I am. Okay. Have you been to Palos Verdes? I have not. Oh, my God. Listen. I guess I'm not a golfer. This guy. Okay, yeah. When you come to Actually, Listen, you're hanging out with me when you Bobby come to knows. California. I, I got to hang out Eric's with you. Eric's going to slap you. Whole, we got to do a whole week. Yeah, well, Eric. <laughs> Eric I've won money off Eric in the golf course <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to Danny O. But uh, Bobby's like, what the heck is that in your room? It's like this contraption with like, there's a golf ball on the end okay. of it. I'm like, I'm taking lessons right now. And my instructor's like, you've got to take this everywhere you go. I'm work we're working on this new uh, impact to okay. the swing. Okay. Do you golf? Well, Eric will tell you, and you you can talk to him about this. He thinks that I'm an undercover golfer. Really? Because I- Undercover? Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I'll, if he were sitting here right now, he'd be like, she's lying to you. Like, I'm not a golfer, but he saw he's me like, swing the club at Top Golf oh, in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, you're a liar. So you're just an athlete. I mean, my dad. Golf's hard though. My dad is almost a scratch golfer, and so is my brother. Oh. So they're oh. both just really good. But it's not like I've played golf more than twice in my life. What <laughs> like, could be better than real estate in the jeans and golf? <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy. Well, when you come to California, we'll go to PV. So my client is leaving like Malibu, Santa Monica area. Yeah. He's also owned property up in the Bay Area, like Sonoma. Owns a lot of real estate, right? And he's like, I got to get out of Santa Monica like Marina Del Rey, almost uh, like there's this scary urgency. Santa Monica used to be so coveted. It is. I mean, no offense to anyone who's like diehard Santa Monica. I'm sorry, like feces on the street, like Ooh. homelessness. Like I'm talking bad homeless problem. And again, I'm just going to be bold because that's what I do. If you follow me on Instagram, like I, I have strong opinions. Like people are leaving Santa Monica and Venice. So the people who are buying there and taking a risk are trying to buy low and yeah. wait for this to end if we get a new governor or if something happens in, in politics where it's, if that's going to change, then the values will come back because who wouldn't want to live in such a beautiful place? But my client called me and is like, I have to move to PV, Palos Verdes. Like, I want to leave Marina Del Rey, like that little west side pocket, and it's too urban now. It's not safe. The, the homeless issue, I got to get out of here. And we want to take the kids, three kids and the wife and go to Palos Verdes where we can look at the ocean and there's no crime. There's like, you get privacy, you get much bigger lot size. So instead of buying a $3 million townhouse with no outdoor space, now you can spend $3 million and get a 22,000 square foot lot with a pool like overlooking the ocean. And there's a lot of golfing. A lot of golfing. So I would like PV. Oh my God. Sounds like Naples. You'd be all Sounds over. Like Naples you would be all over PV. Fine dining? Uh, you have to go down the hill to like Redondo Beach. Okay. I'll sell you an investment property. You'll be fine. Oh, geez. An investment property? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think that'd be an investment. That'd be more of a vacation, vacation home. home. Be more of just lighting money on you fire. Could, you could rent it out. What would you get for a rent on 
three million dollar home in PV? Uh, short term rentals. I mean, it all depends. I mean, in Manhattan Beach, like a beach house in Manhattan, like walkable to the water, will get anywhere between ten and twenty grand a month. Okay. Yeah. So it could be investment. Yeah. You did a video recently. You're talking about Santa Monica. People don't want to be there. I don't know if it was Santa Monica or where it was, but somebody asked you a question on either TikTok or Instagram. They're like, you know, there's no inventory. There's yeah. no inventory at all. And, and I'm assuming there are probably errors. Like PV probably has li very limited inventory. The yes. The way you're making it sound. Yes. Super amazing. But you did this video and you're like, there is inventory on, I think it was like- Oh, a, these uh, investment properties. On a duplex or something like that? Yes. Yeah. There were 365 income properties between two and four units in LA County under 1.4 million. Okay. 365. And now- Active. So is there in some areas a lot of inventory or is everywhere scarce? Was that just one little like sliver of that the market? That was a slice of the investment property market. Okay. Um, I'm actually- and you know, for anybody listening, challenge me on this one. I'm one of the few women in residential real estate that knows how to work investment properties. I'm not a commercial broker, but calling I calling out all these I girls. Am, but Come I, on, no, Sarah's but, cheering but over I'm here. saying is that there are not enough women. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not knocking women. Is, I'm saying there well, are, there are not enough women who understand the numbers and know how to do this. And I would also say that there are a lot of residential uh, realtors male or female yeah, that don't that. know how to fucking no. run the numbers. Excuse There's me. There's not like, a lot of French. male residential agents that it's, have any idea about investment It products. drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. Like it, I, because as someone who has a lot of investor buyers and I go online and time is a currency, right? I go online mm. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at all the inventory. Who's posting the numbers? It's one thing if you're posting pro forma, right? Yeah. You're like, this is what the rent could be. Um, this is occupied. These agents aren't even mentioning if it's occupied or not. They're not even putting that in the notes. They're literally getting away. And I don't know why the MLS allows this. They're getting away with writing dash marks and zeros. Okay. Hmm. On the investment properties. On the investment properties. And I'm talking just two to four units. Yeah. Right. And because that's important because you can get a residential loan, right? And keep that interest rate low. Yeah. So I go in there and I'm like, well, wait a minute. It, are these, these are not vacant properties. There's no way these are vacant properties. So then I go in and I start researching. I'm like, pick up the phone. And be like, hey, Joe, uh, calling about this property. Is it occupied? Yeah. Uh, okay. Are they long-term tenants? Yeah, they're long-term tenants. Okay, what are they paying? Oh, they're paying like $800 a month. Okay, why are you not posting this on the yeah. MLS? And if you're embarrassed by those numbers, then post the pro forma right. and write huge upside opportunity. You just have to inherit these tenants that are paying below market They got rent. the listing. They don't want to pitch a deal. And I'm like, how are these agents getting these listings? They should be fired and I should be hired. Yes. Is what I'm saying. We'll put on more of that content. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was, that to me was such an interesting piece of content that you put out. Mm -hmm. Just opening up the MLS and saying, here's what's going on because consumers are very interested in what's going on in the MLS because it's like this, oh, what? I mean, I know I've got Zillow, but like wh what's actually happening? Yeah. What are the numbers? You just opened the book and shared it. it. Thank you for that. And I will say this as realtors, since a lot of realtors follow your show, um, I teach the agents on my team to create inventory. So I have a couple agents that do specialize and we have the whole girl gang. We're like a bunch of ladies on my team. 100% female team? 100% female team. Where'd you get that from? Glenda? No. Glenda, you know, Glenda's team is 100% female. I, I it's been that way for 20 years. Well, Glenda and I years. have a cosmic connection. We're like, you know, we've, we're very similar, like different generations, but like very, very similar in like So would our you ways. ever take a male on your team? If Eric, the broke agent said, you know what? I need to hang my license. <laughs> on a team, Taya. 
<laughs> I mean, Eric, Eric would be accepted. He'd He's be different. Accepted. So yeah. Make, you would I, make I an exception. A, that I have a soft spot in my heart for Eric. He's a okay. good guy. So you'd make yeah. exceptions. Yeah. But I, I teach these agents on how to create inventory. So, you know, I, I can't change that overnight that agents are lazy and don't know what they're doing. Right. But what I can do is I use Rentometer. Uh, this is not a plug for them, but I use rentometer.com to do a quick rental survey. I type in the address and I do like a very remedial rental survey. And then I take my, I have an Excel spreadsheet of a projected income analysis and I plug in those pro formas and I go, huh, this would pencil at this price. And then I'm like, oh shit, this is a sleeper. This property pencils. And then I get on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God. If you're looking for something that's X, Y, and Z and pencils at this and a cap rate of that, you need to DM me right now. This is not my listing, but I found a sleeper. And I've sold properties that way. I've had clients of mine who like live in Canada. They're like, I just saw your Instagram post. Like I know someone who's looking at da, da, da. Yeah. And that's how, that's how the world works now. Are you buying any of these deals yourself? Not yet. I'm saving. You're gonna though, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know it inside and out, so. Absolutely. Well, I'm yeah. waiting until next year because mm-hmm. I had two really good years. I want one more solid income year. Have the then, cash reserves game as on. well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What would you be buying? Two to four? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I Ideally, I would like to do four. The more doors, the better. Uh, I, I didn't really realize it till Dan Blackwell, who, who I was talking mm-hmm. about before, uh, mentioned like how many two to four plexes there are in oh, Southern California. There are so many. That was my first apartment was he, a quad. He moved there for the amount of multifamily units are in that market. Really? That, that was a big driving force of him going to California. Yeah. That's so interesting. I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, you got it. You got to connect with Dan. Yeah, when I moved to LA um, in 2006, I lived in like an old Spanish quad in West Hollywood. It was like gorgeous. It was so pretty. And I mean, we paid an arm and a leg for it, but it's all those old Spanish Hollywood style places that are, have so much charm and character and people pay an arm and a leg for them. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, you see some of these things going for like, what's the highest per unit? Oh my God. You mean as far as rent goes? No, I mean, per unit cost. Like oh. what, what's on average in well, God, in, in, I these, mean, in, in that Be- area. In Beverly Hills. Beverly it, Hills. It depends. I mean, there are some places that are upwards of like, you know, $6 million. Yeah. So and they're not going to pencil. Fourplex, yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. The you're, numbers. You're not going to get like somebody to get a return on their rental investment. Yeah. And here. It's appreciation. The no- exactly. Yeah. The novice investor doesn't understand that you cannot have appreciation and cash flow at the same time. Well, because they were listening to bigger pockets and they want. They want both. They want, of course you do. Yeah. Like who doesn't want a unicorn? Yeah. Absolutely. And if you had a crystal ball, you're like, oh my God, the market really increased because, you know, uh, you know, Tesla moved their company here and did it. And before you know it, look, we've got appreciation and cash flow. Well, look, that was a happy accident. But vast majority of the time, someone who's buying a multi-unit, like an eight-unit building in Beverly Hills is not looking for cash flow. They're looking for a secure place to park their money and they're banking on appreciation. They're probably going to buy it all cash in a 1031 exchange. They're barely going to cover their nut. Um, and then, you know, maybe in 10 years, they'll sell it and roll the the equity from that into another property and defer their tax. I mean, that's the game. Well, when you start investing here next year, 2023, yes. will you play that same game? Absolutely. Roll it in, roll it in, use the 1031 yes. as long as it still exists? Yes, absolutely. And I'm a bit, I'm a firm believer in buy and hold. You mm-hmm. should never sell unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. And when you do, roll it. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, why would you cash out like that? It just, 
as long as sense. they let us have our 1031 <laughs> tax oh my God. exchange. I will I'll be an advocate for uh, making sure. Well, I've, every agent should be an advocate mm-hmm. for that. I mean, it, it would completely cripple the investment side of real estate. Who would want to sell their property? If, they especially wouldn't. if they have any cash flow. They wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. I've avoided like all the content and the marketing because you get asked those questions all the time. No, I, 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 this is so exciting because yeah, I to do- me, this is a this is a better conversation. It is but. because I do get asked all the time about, and I'm going to be on stage on Wednesday yeah. talking about Instagram and all that stuff. I mean, so if you do have like a, a question about that, I can answer it in well, a Well, let's get into it just way. because I want to be respectful of everybody listening. <laughs> They're like, you're going to have Tay on, you're not going to ask about any video, video? marketing. That's insane. <laughs> you know, so wh- what do you think here? You're diving in. You did a Taya's two cents. Mm-hmm. That was like your whole big thing the last year. You're going to yeah. continue to do that. Yes. Those are one minute, two minute videos. They're two to three minutes. Two to three depending minutes. Depending on how fired up I am about the topic. Okay. <laughs> you, you dove pretty heavily into TikTok, more so than most yeah. agents have. Yeah. So you've got the short form down. What's your 22 plan for your video marketing? I'm diving into YouTube. I will be honest, I'm totally petrified. Um, I have an episode in the can already, and we talked about this. No, it's a about weeks ago. It's about Top Golf, and I'm just like not ready. I'm not, I'm a perfectionist. First of all, I think your idea around it is going to be amazing. Yeah, I just yeah, okay. I just need to get over myself. I'm, and this is not what I, I preach: being confident and just putting yourself out there. And so I think that. I was talking to someone about this recently that when I did Taya's Two Cents, no one at first was watching. So I felt this freedom to fail. And I was like, well, it's not like anyone's going to fucking see it anyway. You know what I mean? Like I can yeah. have an opinion. I can like maybe look fat one day. I don't know. Like I and can just kind of- everybody And now it. everybody's watching. They're like, oh, she just dropped a new episode. And it's like, I get a lot of engagement. So it, there's more pressure, but that's all perception, yeah. right? What people think about me is none of my business, right? And, and that's every, what, what I try and tell myself. You're not going to get 100%. You're not Get everyone to be on. It's like in comedy, like stand up comedy. One of the first rules is you will never please the crowd ever. Some people are just going to fucking hate you. You know what I mean? Have you done stand up as well? No, I've done. I've done improv. Really? Yeah. Improv is super fun. I think every business person should take an improv class. To basically talk on the spot or yeah, make, make up a storyline well, as you go. The, the uh, number one rule of improv is saying yes and. So yes, for yeah, so for example, if I say Byron, um, right now we're in an igloo. And yes, you, and yes, and what are we going to eat, Taya? Yes, what are we going to eat? We're going to eat quesadillas. Yes, and can we get some sour cream? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do they have that in yeah, so igloo we, land? We can go big. You know what yeah. I mean? There's no denial. In fact, if you deny, you're out. Okay, you lose the game. And so I have found that with clients or with video. If I just come from a space of yes and and wow. and you can't fail if you're yes and there's no stupid answer there's no wrong answer so for my YouTube stuff we don't really have a game plan aside from just taking hyper local news or taking national news and making it hyper local and saying like don't read the clickbait this doesn't apply to LA yeah right um, and so I'm gonna air it. I just didn't like how it was cut and it was too newsy. But I just I need to put it out there and get the feedback wow. and just like take a note out of Gary V's book and just like not care what people think. It's so easy. It's easier said than done. You should be using the line. Perfect is good. Right? Yes, I should. Earlier, yeah. 
Uh, yes, and I think that might have been the most fascinating thing I've heard all day. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about the improv class. Yeah, so. I did Upright Citizens Brigade and Groundlings. Yeah. Um, yes, and is like it's one of the most fun games to play. Like I'm going to use it all the time now. You should. Well, I love leading with yes, right? Like especially as a real estate agent. Yes, I'll figure it out. I'll get you that answer. Like I don't know the answer, but I'll get it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So I think maybe in that sense, that is a little bit of a yes and, but commit, right? Say yes. People don't really want to hear no. And even yes would mean handing it off to somebody, right? Well, and remember, the and is not but. Right. Right? Yes, and. Yes, and I can introduce you to so-and-so who can do a better job than me, right? Like there's always a yes, which makes the client happy. Absolutely, because people feel heard. Yeah. Right? Everybody wants to feel heard and understood, uh, whether it's business or in a relationship or whatever. Um, No one wants to hear yes, but. Yes, like, but it's shut bad. up. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> I feel denied. That's a downer. <laughs> so what are you gonna talk about on stage tomorrow? Um, I'm going to talk about how when people say they video is really overwhelming, right? Oh, it must be easy for you. The thought of creating constant content gives me anxiety, right? These are all smoke screens for I don't like the way I look and sound on camera. Yeah. Um, so I just want to call that out and tell everyone to just put their excuses aside. That's a total smokescreen. The other thing is I'm going to leave on the screen eight tips for how people can actually get into action and start making content right away. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to tell a story, which I'm happy to tell it here, um, about how even a child doesn't know about negative self-talk. And what I mean by that is my my son, who's seven, is a competitive surfer now. Wow. Right? And he's only seven years old. But in July of 2020, he was six. Okay? He was six. He had never been on a skateboard. He had never been on a surfboard. The kid didn't even know how to swim. Wow. Okay? But it was COVID in L.A. Everything was shut down. You couldn't even go to the park. Yeah. And some older kid in the neighborhood had a beat-up old skateboard. And he gave it to my son, and my son jumped on it. And my husband goes, holy shit, did you just see that? He's like, I'm going to take him to the beach. Puts him on a surfboard before he even knew how to swim. Okay? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) He's like, don't worry. It's really shallow. It's a sandy bottom, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to, hey, let's get you swim lessons. You know what? Now that daddy can get you up on a board, let's get you a coach and see how – and before you know it, he – the trajectory of his talent and his skill level. It's like, did you ever read Outliers? Oh yeah. Okay. Love so, that book. so Love that it's book. very much. I believe that what has happened during COVID for this new generation yeah. is very much what he talks about in Outliers, where it wasn't that Bill Gates was extraordinarily smart. He just had a unique opportunity and at a unique age at a unique time and access and all these all things. Up. Right. He talks so, about all the NHL players are all born in January. Exactly. That makes them older in their group. You rarely see somebody born in any other month besides January or February because those are the oldest kids in that group getting the best opportunities every year. 100%. And imagine if you're six years old during COVID in Los Angeles. Yeah. How unique is that? So fast forward to my son just going out there every day playing. Not once did he ever say, this is hard. This is scary. Not once he'd fall, get right back up. We call it getting dogged by the wave. He'd get fucking dogged by the wave, (laughs) drink some salt water, and he never complained, right? Then he wins first place in his competition this year against kids that are three years older than him. 
And what I'm going to share on stage is that his second competition was coming up and he goes, it was seven o'clock at night. It was pitch black, dark already. And he goes, mommy, I need to go practice my skateboarding. Wow. And I'm like, honey, it's seven o'clock at night. I need to watch your younger brother. Like, I can't see you. I can't, you can't do that, but I need to practice because I want to win the trophy. I'm like, honey, winning the trophy, I know it's exciting, but it doesn't mean anything about you right? You're yeah. going to give it your best no matter what. He goes, well, I really want to practice because I know if I practice, I'm going to be better no matter what. Well, Malcolm Gladwell talks about in Outliers, those 10,000 hours that you need to pour into a craft. Basically, yeah. COVID for your son was his 10,000 hours. It, unbelievable in one year. So get this, he wouldn't go outside that night. I said, you know what? In the morning, you can do it. He goes, okay. Seven years old, 6.30 a.m., I go downstairs to have my coffee. He's standing by the front door, fully dressed with a helmet on and his skateboard in his hand. The sun's barely coming up. He goes, can I go now? And I was like, that's so damn cute. I was like, yes, you can go outside. And he went out falling, like stumbling, but he was practicing and practicing and practicing. And he won second place, which good. I'm glad he won second place because you don't need that W every single time. You know, give, you need make the kid a little modest, but he knew you're only competing against yourself. And how brilliant is that, that as a child, he understands practice makes progress. So everybody in the audience who's like, well, you know, what kind of camera do I need? What kind of editing software? My son's not asking, mommy, what kind of skateboard do I need? What kind of wheels yeah. do I need? What he's kind of helmet? Skateboard. That's right. It's like, no, he's not worried about the mechanics. He's not worried about the tools. He's like, I just know I need to get out there in action. Yeah. And that's what I want everyone in the audience to understand. It doesn't matter who your videographer is. You have a phone. It doesn't matter what your makeup looks like, what you're wearing, what you sound like, what the editing software is, what time of day you fucking post. Get over yourself. Just do it. So you did say, you know, a lot of people are self-conscious about what they look like. Mm -hmm. You hear that a lot, right? Yeah. Is it easier for men to just not give a shit what they look like because it's more accept. You know, you got Gary Vee who popped off. He's not like the best looking dude of all time, yeah. even though he thinks he is. <laughs> but like women, it's probably a lot harder mm -hmm. for them to get in that confident mode about how they look just with the way culture is. So you yeah. know, is there a truth to that? Is it harder for women to get the confidence on video than maybe it is for a male? I think it's easy to say yes. However, I'm kind of a contrarian. And that would be a big excuse. And I'm going to say that men are just as self-conscious as women. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think men... Eric Simon broke agent, Aww. for example. <laughs> I think that, like, I mean, I'll, I'll put my brother up on display for a second. Um, handsome guy, super funny, so charming. He's hysterical. I'm like, you would kill it. Why don't you get on video? I'm like, you're fucking insecure. What's wrong with you? Like, get a ring light. Play some background music. Like, who cares? Just get out there and do it. He won't do it. It's not that he's worried about how he looks. He's worried about people making fun of him. Yeah. He's worried about someone saying something bad. And I'll, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. What people think about you is none of your damn business. People are worried about themselves. And the moment that you can make that distinction, you're actually going to be able to get into action. And that's exactly what happened to me in March of 2020. I was standing in my own way. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm good enough. Why does everyone believe in me? And I don't believe in myself. And my manager just looked at me and he's like, when are you going to start drinking your own Kool-Aid? Like, 
people really love you. They're rooting for you. Everyone enjoys seeing you do your thing. Like, just do your thing and stop worrying about it. And I thought, okay, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll do it. Leading an all-female team and putting out as much content as you are, and then reflecting back on the content that was in the beginning that maybe you didn't love or just wasn't that good because you weren't putting in your 10,000 hours yeah. is a real opportunity for you as a leader in this industry, as a female leader, to help rise up other women who want to be a leader in, in this industry. Thank you. And I, I think if anyone wants to be fully entertained, scroll back to 2015 in my videos. Oh, let's do it. Let's cut it into this <laughs> podcast, actually. Because there are some videos where I had just given birth. So I was like puffy in the face. And I was so insecure about how I looked that I put like a sepia tone <laughs> like in 2015. What is that? It's like... Is that a filter? It's a filter. Okay, this was right. before all the beauty filters. So it was like just a like, filter. yeah, it was like some cheesy filter because I just didn't like the bags under my eyes. I mean, I was just so painfully insecure, but I did it anyway. Yeah. You know, and that's the definition of courage, being afraid, seeing the obstacle, being apprehensive and moving forward anyway. You just, everybody, nobody likes to be disciplined, right? Yeah. There are days when you don't feel like going to the gym. There are days when you don't feel like eating right. And you acknowledge that feeling and you go, and I'll do it anyway. And that's what separates the good from the great. That's a perfect way to wrap this thing up right there. That was beautifully said. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed both halves of the conversation, <laughs> but I, I want to do this more often because yeah. I really enjoy when you're getting into the financial side and everything that you know about your market and, you know, multifamilies and all of that. So let's definitely do this again. I'm totally down. All right. More often at least. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. If you guys aren't following Taya, make sure you do that. We'll link her up below. Thanks, you guys.